When you are walking through a shopping mall that is filled with the boisterous sounds of life, laughing with your friends, how do you know you're not being watched? It could be that someone is following you, calculating where you will be and when you will be there every day. Something about you, or maybe something you have done, may have caught the eye of someone or something. You may have been the target of this predator for days or even weeks while unsuspectingly going about your daily life. Tomorrow, tonight, or even an hour from now, you could be caught off guard. Someone could be hiding in the back seat of your car or in the closet when you come home alone. Or maybe they could just approach you on the street with a disarming yet disturbing smile. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week, we are discussing the Smiling Man. Is he a man, a myth, or something from another world? This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com. And be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N- C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. It was a crispy November morning, and Hannah did not want to get out of bed, especially at 3 a.m. She always dreaded Monday, because she had to get up at an ungodly hour and drive Rick her husband, to the airport for work. Mondays weren't all bad, though. This day also brought with it some of Hannah's secret guilty pleasures. For instance, the next four days, while her husband was away, she could stay in her pajamas all day. No washing her hair or putting on makeup and absolutely no housework until the day before her trip back to the airport to pick up Rick. Hannah wasn't just some lazy housewife, though. She was actually a very successful writer. It was just that she had only been married a few months and still wasn't ready to let Rick in on her grungy side. After a three-hour drive to and from the airport in Portland, she would be back at her Cape Cod-style home in Kittery. Her trip, unfortunately, would take a little longer today. The low fuel light came on about 10 miles from home and Hannah had been the victim of her own procrastination too many times, and was not about to go home on empty. It was still dark when Hannah pulled into the Sunoco to fill up her little Subaru wagon. It was barely past 6 a.m., and the gas station had just opened. Shivering, as a cold breeze drifted through her thin pajama pants, Hannah propped the gas nozzle into her tank and quickly jumped back into the car, where it was warm, and waited for the tank to fill. She was scrolling through her playlist on her phone 
when something caught her eye. It was a man standing about 10 yards in front of her car. He was standing there with his hands on his hips in the middle of the parking lot, just staring in her direction with this crazy-looking smile on his face. Okay, Hannah thought. That isn't creepy at all. Trying to ignore him, she forced herself to look down and focus on her phone. After a couple of minutes, she glanced back up to see if the strange man was gone, but nearly jumped out of her skin when she found him standing not two feet from her front bumper. Goosebumps began to cover Hannah's skin as the man bowed towards her, as if in greeting. He did some sort of quick dance, and then suddenly stopped as if frozen, never once losing eye contact for even a second. The creepy smile was unchanged, but it didn't seem to reach to his eyes, which seemed dark and emotionless. He was almost clown-like, but without the makeup or costume. He was wearing coveralls like you see mechanics wear. His hair was dark and looked like he had slicked it back with a shiny gel to keep it in place. Hannah looked around to see if there was anyone else close by to witness whatever this creep may be up to. But her car was the only one there. She couldn't even see the clerk who should have been at the register. She heard the handle on the fuel pump click as the tank reached full. She needed to get out and hang it back up before she could drive away, but there was no way she was leaving the safety of her car with this weirdo standing so close and no one around to help if he tried something. She looked around one more time, this time searching the area behind the car and on the other side of the street across from the gas station and there was still no one else to be seen. As she turned to face the front of her car again, the man was gone. Shaken, Hannah waited a couple of minutes and made several sweeps around the area, finally catching sight of the store clerk, who was now sitting behind the counter playing with his phone. Cautiously opening the car door, she slowly climbed out, keeping watch all around her as best she could while replacing the nozzle and closing the gas cap on her car. Once that was done, Hannah jumped back into the car and slammed the door shut. She quickly hit the lock button and jerked the car into drive. She was looking into the rearview mirror as she drove away. She didn't see any sign of the strange man. Hannah relaxed in her seat and exhaled. After a moment, she sat up straight to focus on the road, but gave herself a shake when once more goosebumps covered her body as she remembered those dark eyes and that disturbing smile. A few minutes later, just as the sky was starting to show a hint of light, Hannah pulled into the driveway. She could not get into the safety of her house fast enough. The Smiling Man is it a creepypasta, an urban legend, or just a bad evening for some poor dope with insomnia who walks the dark streets at night when he can't sleep? Originally, he was known as the Grinning Man, and more recently the Smiling Man, but always fuel for nightmares. No one knows what the Smiling Man really is. He looks humanoid, but his actions are completely off and disturbing. The first report of the Smiling Man took place in New Jersey at approximately 9.45 p.m. on the night of October 11, 1966. Two boys, 
Martin Munoff, and James Yankitis were walking home along New Jersey and 4th Street when minding their own business when they turned onto a road that ran adjacent to the elevated New Jersey Turnpike. There was a treacherously steep 30-foot slant running from the hectic turnpike above them all the way down to the tall wire fence that ran parallel to the route that Munov and Yankitis were walking. The decline on the other side of the fence was so steep that the boys said they had never even seen anyone attempt to scale it, nor had they ever seen anyone on the opposite side of the rusted fence. But this night would prove to be an exception to the rule. Both Munov and Yankitis were nervous as they slipped in and out of the pools of light cast by the street lamps above them, as they had heard that a neighborhood woman had been chased by a tall green man earlier that evening in the same area. Little could the boys predict when they stopped to catch their breath a few moments later, that their date with the unknown was just about to begin. It was Yankitis who first noticed the ominous humanoid figure standing in the thick scrub brush behind Munov on the opposite side of the fence. He appeared to be ignoring the boys and was staring at a house across the road. Yankitis would later describe the smirking creepy guy for the police. This is the report he gave to the officer that evening. He was the strangest guy we've ever seen. He was standing behind that fence. I don't know how he got there. He was the biggest man I have ever saw. Munov's account in his report to the police says, Jimmy nudged me and said, Who's that guy standing behind you? I looked around and there he was, behind that fence, just standing there. He pivoted around and looked right at us. Then he grinned a big old grin. The two boys, evidently wise beyond their years, listened to their fight-or-flight instinct and wasted no time in exiting the scene before the eerie emerald apparition could scale the fence and take pursuit. Just three days after their unusual encounter, John Keel, renowned paranormal investigator and Mothman Prophecies author, arrived at the scene with UFO investigator James Mosley and famed actor and paranormal enthusiast Chuck McCann. The boys were interviewed individually in the home of George Smith and, according to Kill, gave identical accounts of the event. Kill described what the two boys had told him during their interviews. The man was over six feet tall, they agreed, and was dressed in a sparkling green coverall costume that shimmered and seemed to reflect the streetlights. There was a wide black belt around his waist. He had a very dark complexion and little round eyes, real beady, set apart. They could not remember seeing any hair, ears, or nose on this figure. McCann was a heavyset actor who stood six foot two and both boys insisted that the grinning man was not only much taller than the TV star, but much broader as well. This would make him a formidable figure. Kill and his fellow investigators went to the site of the encounter, wondering whether the menacing man behind the fence might have been a stranded motorist. After inspecting the scene, however, Kill and his crew concluded that the incline was not only too sharp to easily traverse, especially at night, but that any sane person with car trouble stuck behind a high fence would have called out for help rather than leer maniacally. 
It wasn't long before the boy's bizarre tale spread throughout the neighborhood, and folks began to speculate that this so-called grinning man might be associated with a UFO sighting that had occurred at the same time just 40 miles north of Elizabeth, near a DuPont explosives factory outside of Pompton Lakes. On November 2, 1966, less than a month after Munov and Yankitis had their disturbing encounter, sewing machine salesman Woodrow Derenberger was driving home on the hilly Interstate 77 after a long day of work when he suddenly saw a bizarre vehicle drop down from the dark sky and land in the road in front of him with a tremendous crashing sound. The vehicle Derenberger claimed was unlike anything he had ever seen before. He described it as looking like an old-fashioned kerosene lamp chimney, flaring at both ends, narrowing down to a small neck and then enlarging in a great bulge in the center. Startled, Derenberger slammed on the brakes of his old panel truck and screeched to a halt. That's when things started to get weird. A hatch slid open on the side of the mystery vehicle before him, and a tall, dark-skinned man climbed out. The salesman later described him as having slightly elongated eyes, but his most notable attribute was his wide, creepy grin, which Derringer claimed he could see glinting in the truck's headlights. In fact, one of the few discrepancies between the frightening, grinning man described by Munov and Yankitis and the one seen by Derringer is that the latter described the humanoid's clothes as blue instead of green, but much like the New Jersey grinning man, his clothes were reflective and made of a material that the appliance salesman noted was quite shiny and had a glistening effect. Derringer then claimed that this grinning man telepathically communicated with him, asking him a series of odd questions. Following this abnormal interlude, the entity simply stated that my name is Indrid Cold. I will be visiting again. The grinning, aka smiling man, then returned to his unusual vehicle, which as incomprehensibly as it arrived, launched from the interstate and soared up into the sky. Following this wild encounter, both Derringer and several other Point Pleasant residents would claim to have additional run-ins with the infamous Indrid Cold. This episode of Freaky Folklore is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com forward slash freaky folklore. The best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. We get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road. You saw this one coming. We get annual checkups and go to the gym to maintain physical wellness and prevent injury and disease. We do chores regularly, some of us anyway, to avoid a giant mess of a house and roaches. Going to therapy is like all of these. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. Going to therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. 
it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Freaky Folklore listeners get 10% off of their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Freaky Folklore. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Freaky Folklore. The Grinning Man, also known as the Smiling Man, is now a popular creepypasta villain who is said to have actually existed. The story as a creepypasta was first shared on April 6, 2012 in the subreddit Let's Not Meet. The community, which is home to over 43,000 subscribers, collects true stories of unnerving and oftentimes downright frightening encounters with creepy individuals. Unlike the subreddit No Sleep, the Let's Not Meet moderators require submissions to be 100% true. In his true experience, story redditor Blue underscore title, who we will just call John, reveals his experience that took place around 2007 while living downtown in a major city in the U.S. He explained that he had always been a night person and would often find himself bored after his roommate, who was obviously not a night person, went to sleep. To pass the late hours, he would go for long walks and spend time thinking. He said that this routine went on for four years walking alone at night. He never once before that night felt afraid and joked with his roommate that even the drug dealers in the city were polite. But, he said, that all changed in just a few minutes on one evening. John recalled that it was on a Wednesday somewhere between 1 and 2 in the morning, while walking near a police force patrolled park, quite away from his apartment, that the incident took place. He said that it was a quiet night, even for a weeknight, with very little traffic and almost no one on foot. The park, same as it was most nights, was completely empty. It was after turning down a short side street to loop back to his apartment that he first noticed him. At the far end of the street, on his side, was the silhouette of a man dancing. It was a strange dance, like a waltz, but he finished each box with an odd forward stride, as if he was dance-walking, while heading straight for him. Deciding that the fellow was probably drunk, he stepped as close as he could to the road to give him the majority of the sidewalk to pass him by. The closer he got the more he realized how gracefully he was moving. He was very tall and lanky, and wearing an old suit. As he danced closer still, he could slowly make out his face. His eyes were open wide and wild, head tilted back slightly, looking off at the sky. His mouth was formed in a painfully wide cartoon of a smile. Between the eyes and the smile, he decided to cross the street before the man danced any closer. Describing the feeling as being completely unnerved by the strange man's actions, John said that he started walking again, but kept his eyes on the man. The man didn't move while he was watching him. Once he had put about a half a block between himself and the man, 
he turned away from him to watch the sidewalk where he was walking. The street and the sidewalk ahead were completely empty. Still unnerved, he looked back to where the man had been standing to find that he was gone. For the briefest of moments, he felt relieved, until he noticed the man again. He had crossed the street and was now slightly crouched down. He couldn't tell for sure due to the distance and the shadows, but he was certain the man was facing him. He had looked away from him for what could have been no more than ten seconds, so it was clear that the man had moved fast. John was so shocked that he stood there for some time staring at the man. Suddenly, the man started moving towards him again, taking giant, exaggerated, tiptoed steps, as if he were a cartoon character sneaking up on someone, except he was moving very, very quickly. Looking back, he wished that he could have said that at that point he ran away or pulled out his pepper spray or cell phone or anything at all, but he didn't. He just stood there, frozen, as the smiling man crept towards him. The man stopped again about a car length away from him, still staring at the sky and still smiling that creepy smile. When John finally found his voice, he blurted out the first thing that came to his mind. What do you want? He meant to ask it in an angry, commanding tone, but that's not the way that it came out at all. The man just stood there, still smiling. Frozen, for what felt like an eternity, the man finally turned around just like that and started dance-walking away from him. Not wanting to turn his back on him again, he watched him go until he was far enough away to almost be out of his sight. Just as John was about to turn and be on his way, he noticed something. The man was no longer moving away or dancing, but his image was becoming larger as the man headed for him in a dead run. Panic-stricken, John turned and ran too. He said that he continued to run without looking back until he was off the dark side road and back onto the better lit road with sparse traffic. Feeling safe enough to look behind him finally, the man was nowhere to be seen. He confessed that the rest of the way home he kept glancing over his shoulder, expecting to see the stupid creepy smile, but he was never there again. He lived in that city for only six months after that night, but never went out for another walk. There was something about the man's face that always haunted him. He hadn't looked drunk, and he didn't look high. He looked completely and utterly insane. And that's a very, very, very scary thing to see. So what should we make of all these encounters? If they're honest accounts of events as they happened, do they confirm that the smiling man's origins are from out of this world, or at least another dimension? If not, then why are these beings so often seen near so many alleged UFO sightings? And if any... Are there connections to the Mothman and these huge lizard-like intergalactic visitors? Are they the aliens' lackeys, or perhaps human-alien hybrid liaisons? Are they phantoms or demons, or creatures from another plane of existence, who erroneously assume that wearing a smile will put their human counterparts at peace? 
These are just a few of the perplexing questions that continue to surround the mystifying enigma. And what an enigma it is. Even in the already bizarre worlds of ufology, cryptozoology, and the plain old paranormal, the Smiling Man remains one of the most confounding, obscure, and outright terrifying legends in all the annals of the supernatural. But whatever these beings may turn out to be, I hope like hell I never run into one. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more light-hearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Practically running to the door, Hannah yanked it open and quickly stepped inside. She was securing the deadbolt when her dog Jet jumped on her, nearly giving her a heart attack. After squatting to give him some love, she quickly turned again to make sure the alarm by the door was armed. This day had gotten off to a crazy start, leaving Hannah shaking and nervous. She was glad to have Jet to keep her company. He was a two-year-old German shepherd whose size was dawning, to say the least. Hannah usually liked to go for a run when she could talk herself into changing out of her pajamas, but not today. Not after the encounter at the gas station. After a warm cup of mint tea to settle her nerves, Hannah settled into her desk to work on her latest story with Jet curled up under the desk at her feet. She was writing her first mystery and got caught up in the plot like she usually did when she had an idea that excited her. She worked this way for hours, only stopping for a snack when the hunger pains got to the point of making her nauseous. She was leaning against the kitchen island eating a granola bar while Jet was laying by the back door. She dropped the granola bar to the floor when Jet raised his head and started growling. She could see the hair standing up on the back of his neck. He wasn't usually skittish, but he did tend to get worked up when the mailman made his rounds. Just to be safe, Hannah peeked through the curtains and out into the backyard. Nothing was to be seen out there except the lawn furniture. She made her way to the living room and looked through the big bay window out into the front yard, regretting for the first time her decision to not hang curtains on the window. She had enjoyed the view of the flower beds in her front yard and the way the sunlight brightened up the living area. 
Jet followed her through the house as she checked the windows and doors. She had never been nervous about being home alone before. It was making her angry that her sanctuary had been darkened by some random possible crackhead. When she had checked every lock in the house, she finally felt safe enough to head back to the little office beside her bedroom to continue writing. She picked up where she had left off and sunk her mind deep into creating her story. She forgot her worries as she submerged herself into the world that she had created. Hannah had no idea how much time had went by before she was pulled out of her own thoughts by Jet's growls. He had been under her desk all afternoon, but he was now standing at her office door, staring down the hallway with his hair on his back and neck standing again. She could get over being spooked, but it was a different story when the dog started getting spooked too. Armed with just the cell phone in her pocket and the coffee mug from her desk, Hannah made her way slowly towards the living room. It was starting to get dark outside, so she turned on a lamp in the living room. As the light filled the room, she decided that she would sleep with all of the lights on tonight. As Hannah spun around to head to the kitchen, it felt as if her heart stopped when she saw someone staring in through the living room window. The coffee cup she had been carrying hit the hardwood floor and shattered. Standing there, right at her big bay window, was the creepy man with his big, creepy smile. Jet started barking but Hannah could barely hear him over her own scream. She ran from the living room, leaving Jet jumping up onto the window trying to get out and get a hold of this intruder. Hannah ran to the bathroom and called for Jet, who refused to come because he was dead set on doing his job. After trying to coax him to her a few more times, she finally gave up and shut the bathroom door and locked it. She had been holding her phone so tight her hand was hurting. Realizing she should have done this earlier, she dialed 911 and held the phone to her ear. The call went through and started ringing. It had rung three times when suddenly the rings were replaced by white noise. Hannah pulled the phone away from her ear and looked at the screen. She had made the call correctly, but immediately ended the call and dialed the number again. For the second time, it began ringing and then shortly turned to more static that was quickly replaced by a high-pitched sound, so loud that Hannah dropped the phone. She sat down on the edge of the bathtub trying to stay calm and figure out what to do next. She could still hear Jet barking in the living room. She was about to open the door and try to convince Jet to come to her when she saw a glimmer of light under the door. It looked like a flashlight at first, but then the light began to grow brighter and began to look like it was crawling underneath the space between the door and the floor and into the bathroom. It was moving around on the floor, reaching and searching like it was looking for something. Hannah grabbed a bath towel and threw it down to cover the light. She was trying to wedge it underneath the door when she heard Jet let out a painful whelp. Suddenly, there was a heavy pounding on the bathroom door so hard that the door was visibly shaking. Panicked and without a clue what to do, she turned to the bathroom window and pulled the shade open, but was hit with a light so bright that it blinded her for a moment. 
She fell back and tripped over the edge of the tub. She heard the shower curtain hook snapping and felt the curtain wrap around her as she landed back first in the tub. There was light coming from every direction, and she could barely see as she fought to untangle herself from the sticky plastic shower curtain. As she finally stumbled to her feet, she flung the shower curtain to the floor and without thinking stepped to reach for the door. She grabbed the doorknob and felt a burning pain as heat seared the palm of her hand. Overwhelmed, confused, and in pain, she just stood there looking at her hand and then at the doorknob. At a total loss for what to do, she crumbled to the floor and began to cry in desperation. But before the tears could hit her cheeks, the pounding on the door just stopped, and the light coming from all around began to recede. Too scared to move, she sat there and listened. After a few moments, she heard a scratching on the bathroom door. Still, she was too scared to say anything. She just waited until finally she heard Jet whimpering to get in. Standing up on shaky legs, Hannah cautiously touched the door handle. It was cold. She slowly and reluctantly turned the doorknob and barely had it open when Jet burst through the door and jumped on her, licking her in excitement as if he was relieved that she was safe. After giving him enough love to calm him down, Hannah found her phone and dialed 911 again. The call went through, and shortly she heard, 911, what is your emergency? Hannah didn't answer immediately, and the dispatcher repeated, 911, what is your emergency? Finally, the dam broke, and Hannah began to sob. I don't know. I think I may have had an intruder. It took weeks for Hannah to stay home alone again, or even to go out alone. She stayed with her parents while Rick was away at work. The police had investigated, but could find no evidence of an intruder, and no trace of the mysterious, creepy, smiling man. Hannah knew that they thought she was crazy, but she had her own proof that she was not. In the form of a scar, in the shape of a smiley face, on the palm of her hand. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes too to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales, such as the Unexplained Encounters podcast, which has over 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true scary stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural and mysterious creatures interest you, the Unexplained Encounters podcast is the show for you. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 
Tune in next time as Freaky Folklore explores the Dyatlov Pass incident. Is the mystery really solved, or are scientists just trying to explain the unexplainable? Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.